1: Coffee and Cream on Hale Varsity Radio
0: with Andrew Rogers and Damon Benning. Top of the hour here on Coffee and Cream on ESPN Radio. We are live from... The club at Indian Creek for the Pinnacle Bank Championship, and I know this comes as a complete surprise to everybody, but I had, al- I have already gotten told to lower my voice uh, <laughs> when when golfers are in the vicinity. Um, I, I I can't the believe. Problem is, we can't tell when golfers are in the vicinity. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe that they actually had to tell me that because I am such a low soft speaking individual
2: yeah i mean generally we really have to tell you like hey andrew talk like into the light raise up like you gotta right your voice a little bit you know, i it's, know it's, it's it's the one thing you really struggle with to it's be it's, it's
0: pretty nuts uh i'll do my best to uh make sure that i come back to reality yeah and, and lower yeah, my voice bring it down you know yeah Which I get. I mean, really, I'll be completely honest. Like, if when I'm golfing, I hate when people are talking in my backswing or this, that, and the other. We are in a difficult spot, though, where we are positioned because it's 17 that we actually got the, um, I I believe, one of our – um, of course volunteers came over and said the caddy like threw up his hands or whatever and I get it like I really do but uh, what we're looking at here is a big black wall and the stands are above yes. us so we can't even look to the right the only thing and, I can see, see is
2: black wall sky and folding chairs that's all I got Michael's, yeah.
0: Michael's here by the way thank you Shaner we appreciate you so uh, yeah, that's just the pickle that we are in over at mm-hmm. the Pinnacle Bank Championship let's talk to Michael Bruns, senior writer for Oscar 24 7 at Michael Bruns on twitter he joins the show now bruncey good morning how's it going oh i just got yelled at for being too loud on a golf course can you believe it uh hey they got to deal with it right i mean people people move around
1: it's part of the part of the deal you're not uh you're not playing pub links anymore guys
0: (laughs) (laughs) uh bruncey uh lots to get to today um You know, you had uh, wrote a nice piece on the single-digit numbers, and we started with that to open the show. And, you know, I think they were all predictable, Uh, at least the majority of them. You had the, the Jeff Sims get a number, Billy Kemp. Um I miss him Luke one. Luke Reimer. Well, Luke Reimer was the one I was going to end with. And Isaac Gifford. And Isaac Gifford. Isaac Gifford was one that he was highly talked about throughout this fall camp, this offseason. Luke Reimer was kind of you know, a question mark. Like as much as he was an impact player last season, it was a situation of, okay, you saw him go to Media Day, but still people weren't overly convinced that you could you could see him as one of the guys, the guys on this team that, you know, the the guys on the team, look at him as, hey, one in, one in the top 10%. Was he a surprise to you? Were there any surprises to you with the single-digit first release? Uh, what are your thoughts there? Uh, not really. I mean, of the four that would surprise me most, maybe
1: Gifford, I guess. I mean, I, I guess I've always kind of been a little bit higher on Luke Reimer and what he is as a player. I have too. Maybe, and And I, I think – that wasn't a surprise to me. The fact that he went to Big Ten media days wasn't really a surprise to me. I mean, I, I, I don't think it's a stretch to say he's, he's Nebraska's best defensive player. And I think, you know, really what – that's not really a surprise. I would also say, too, that the guy that – you know, Gifford has been talked about a lot in the last, you know, week or so. And I think he's going to be really important leadership-wise, but I, I think, you know, he was a little bit more he, – he maybe would have been like a second-vote guy for me, um, you know, kind of thinking about it. So I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'll be curious to see what the next round looks like because there's a lot of options, and, and what we still don't know is how the heck you, you handle linemen at this point. Like, as an offensive lineman, like, if he gets voted, I mean, how, how does that work? So we'll see
2: that was, you know, you led right into my next question there. Uh, Coach Rule said there's going to be multiple kind of rounds of voting by the players throughout fall camp here. Is there some guys that you look at and say, you know, I think they could be up next uh, in line for those single digit numbers? And is there anyone on either side of the line, regardless of maybe how they handle it? And I don't know if you want a offensive lineman wearing number three or anything, but... <laughs> You know, <laughs> regardless of how they handle it, is there anybody on either of the lines that you think uh, might be worthy of inclusion in the next round of voting?
1: Oh, I think Ty Robinson. Um, you know, I curious. think so too. Yeah. Wow. I mean, you are plucking thoughts out of my <laughs> head. Yeah. I, I mean, I, does he take a single-digit number? Does he stick with the 99? I don't know. Um, Maybe just know, goes to 9. How, based on how Matt Rules talked about him in recent weeks as Tommy Hill, that kind of guy. Uh, does he, does he keep the zero? Um, you know, a guy that was pretty vocal in the spring about keeping his number, um, was Quentin Newsom, And I I wonder if he's also going to be part of that conversation. So I I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's a toughness thing. Um, you know, based on the leadership thing, that rule kind of in passing mentioned that, you know, Gifford, kind of having things locked down was a big help to him. He mentioned Ty Robinson in that same breath. So, I mean, I, I think Robinson's probably going to get, you know, that, that next vote. Um, that, that would seem the most obvious to me um, of the guys that weren't announced. But, um, yeah, there, there's, a, there's a few guys. And it, I, I, we haven't gotten any clarification from Rule on this, and I don't think that they're going to do it. But, I mean, you could I guess you could potentially double up numbers, right, with an offensive and a defensive guy. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if that's you know needed but I don't think they're gonna go that direction all
0: right Brunncy I'm being mindful of the guys on the green now so you're gonna get my uh, my golf announcer voice for this next question um, oh, could I like I, it. could I convince you Brian Buschini deserves a single digit
1: um, yes but uh, yes I you, you could convince me um, I does he want one? I mean, cause he, he switched to 18, which, you know, there was a lot of, you know, meaning for him with the Brooke Beringer c- connections there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, who was it? Matt rule or somebody this spring said that Bushini was like the toughest punter they'd ever worked with.
0: That's good um, real.
1: yeah, I, I mean, I think he's a pretty, you know, good leader. Um, he's pretty good, pretty good at doing like the dad things at habitat for humanity over the summer. I appreciated that he could do those things with, uh, with the hard hat and the measuring and things, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I, you could, you could sell me on that. I mean, you, you could probably sell me on a guy getting that single digit who is not, not a starter on offense or defense, but maybe a special teams contributor. I, I don't think that would be a stretch either. If, if there's uh you know, the, the team sees somebody that makes sense. And I think there's a few guys that are going to be, you know, really valuable, you know, all plan on all special teams, coverage units and return units, and things like that. I, I could see that too.
2: Bruns, am I reading too much into the fact that with Jeff Sims, obviously they've got an unquestioned starter at quarterback. They've got a guy that they felt uh, comfortable sending to media days. Now you have a guy elected by his peers to receive one of the uh, single digit numbers. It, it is Does this mean anything? Does it translate to anything on the field in your mind, or is it just kind of nice to have your quarterback be seen as a leader?
1: It's it's nice to to have it. Um, I think it reflects well on Jeff Sims, given that you're a transfer and you come in and you've seemingly won over the locker room um, pretty quickly. I mean, you you talk to Jeff Sims, and he's not a huge rah-rah guy from what – you know, we've been able to tell, but you know, I, I, I think, you know, the fact that he's kind of come in quickly and, and, not tried to steamroll everybody and, and be that alpha quarterback leader, I think has probably done him pretty well. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think that helps you maybe, you know, if you're in a tight spot, maybe guys are more willing to play harder for him or something like that during the season. I, I don't, it's, you know, kind of hard to quantify the value in that, but, um, you know i i have been impressed with how quickly teammates have really kind of focused on him as a leader and i don't get the sense that it's just like you know they're just talking out of the side of their mouth i mean i i think he really has done a pretty good job of, of being that guy and i think you know too when you have you don't have the competition in the fall um you're able to kind of coalesce around the guy in the summer and he's running all the passing stuff and um, you know, like Matt Rule said, I mean, they, they took him to Indianapolis because you know who the starter is going to be. There's no sense in pretending like he's not. So I, I think when you do that, too, it makes it a little easier to, to kind of rally behind a guy.
0: Bruncey, I was reading uh, Schaefer's piece yesterday on the latest on several of Nebraska's targets, their 2024 targets, Brandon Baker mm-hmm. being a name, Caleb Benning, Grant Bricks, and then some on this list. Out of all the names that are kind of like in the mix right now. Who do you think goes first? Who do you think commits first? And will it be Nebraska that they commit to? Uh,
1: yeah. I mean, I I think I think I would probably put in terms of who's going to you know commit commit somewhere first. Um, I think Grant Bricks is getting down to the end of his um, deliberation. You know, he did the did the last round of visits right at the end of July. Um, went to K State, Oklahoma, and Nebraska, and kind of. You know, saw everything again and got around a lot of the commits at each school, and you know, I, I think he kind of has his focus last group. You know, with, with you know Caleb, I think he's you know going through the process still. Um, we'll see if there's an official visit in Nebraska. I don't know if that's gonna necessarily be necessary, but um, you know, every timeline he's said is that he's gonna take it into the season. I think Baker's the same way. I mean, for for Baker, you know, this is like a franchise type left tackle and. You know he's taking his time. Um, <laughs> you know no school is going to run out of spots and, and ice him out or anything like that. So mm-hmm. I think that one probably goes the longest. But you know of those three, I mean I think Nebraska's in a good spot for, for Caleb Benning. I think they're in a good spot for Grant Bricks. I mean I think again, you know we've we've kind of talked about how good Danny Kalen's been as a peer recruiter. I think that's really stood out just to, to Grant Bricks. Um, you know Schaefer went up and saw him yesterday actually. Uh, at at one of his fall practices. And, you know, he likes Matt Rule. He likes uh, a lot of uh, the commits in Nebraska's class and has kind of gotten to know him pretty well. And, you know, he's not that far from Lincoln. I mean, it's it's not the hometown team, but it's not too far either. So I think Nebraska kind of has that going in their favor too. I think for him it's just a matter of where he feels most comfortable. And, you know, I I think he more than anybody has been pretty deliberate and pretty – you know, tight lipped about his process and kind of worries leaning, but I think Nebraska's in a good spot based on uh, you know, what, what Schaefer said coming out of that visit yesterday.
2: We're talking with Michael Brunts of Husker twenty four seven. Brunts, when you're looking at the way these first couple of recruiting classes are shaping up for Matt Rule and company, um I, I guess a kind of a two part question here. A, do you think there is a going to be a jump in year two or year three in terms of overall quality of recruits that they're getting that we see sometimes with new head coaches and and secondly do you have you thought about what you think the ceiling is in terms of the level at which the staff can recruit
1: Uh, both I think both answers to your question depend on how they do on the on the field I mean you know that that's been kind of the answer for the last three coaching staffs is the, you know, if they can just put it together, the, you know, you can start getting, you know, higher level recruits, things like that. Um, and I, I think that that's, there, there's potential with that for Matt Rule. I don't think they're going to necessarily star chase. I think they're going to, you know, really focus their efforts in, in, on regional recruits. And and that's been something that I think has been needed at Nebraska for a while. Those guys don't go home quickly when things uh, don't go their way earlier in their careers. Um, you know, guys are more familiar with Nebraska. It's not as big of a culture shock. So I think you're always going to have that. Um, and, and, you know, with the staff, too, I, I think they're always going to, you know, look for the, the Rex Guthries and the Bardas and the guys that show up at their camps and broad jump ten five and run 4-4s. Like, th- th- that's always going to be a piece of it. I think, you know, what, what maybe helps them and, and, you know, was probably the case in in the 25 class going forward is now they're finally caught up. I mean, you have to understand that when you're recruiting kids, it's not just a one year thing. I mean, now with the the way things have sped up, you've got to be on kids, you know, when they're sophomores um, for some of the, the bigger name guys and and the, the higher rated guys and, 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 you know, sometimes even earlier than that. So this staff can build relationships and, and with the value of time and, and being able to kind of figure out where they're going to go in terms of, you know, offering kids and building relationships and stuff, I think I think you will see a little bit, uh, you know, a, a few more of those kind of higher-rated guys. But it's not like this class is lacking for that either. I mean, I, I think there's still, um, you know, some room for, for Danny Kalin to rise in the rankings. I mean, you're just talking about potentially getting a guy like Grant Bricks who's a top 150 player. yeah um, mm-hmm. Carter Nelson, you know, same thing. I mean, he's a top 100 players, So they're already getting those guys. Um, and and I, I think with the, the addition of more time, you'll see more of those guys, you know, mentioning Nebraska more frequently, and especially if they can get it done on the field this fall too and show some progress.
0: Hey, Bruncey, you know, I'm thinking about um, conference realignment again today and how it affects uh, every sport but football. And you're a big baseball guy. And not that Nebraska is going to have a huge issue with it outside of maybe like playing in um, a multitude of weather conditions. But this is the Midwest. We play in a multitude of weather conditions all the time every season. Uh, But in regards to recruiting um, and choosing a school for – those up and coming for a sport like baseball. Um, do you find it that with a big change like this that we're seeing that local kids may choose local over going across the country for every variable in the book with like, you know, your, your parents being able to see you play, you know, a, a less uh, demanding travel schedule, things like that. How do you think recruiting is going to uh, uh, be affected by this big, Shift and realignment.
1: Yeah, it, it's an interesting conversation. I mean, baseball is a little unique too because it, it's not a full scholarship sport. So you know, you there, there's a lot of things kind of money wise you have to factor that kind of relate to, to each individual recruitment too. I mean, if a you know guy's getting a three quarter scholarship versus you know something less than that, that's a significant decision they have to make. Um, you know, in terms of how Nebraska operates, I mean, with, with the way this staff is comprised right now, you know, they're heavy on local, regional, like, you know, not not even the 500 mile radius, but even closer in than that. And they're going to be huge in Texas. I mean, that, that's just, you know, <laughs> with Rob Childress, with Lance Harvell both being Texas guys, Will Bolt being a Texas guy, I mean, that that's going to be the, the bread and butter for Nebraska. Um You know, I I am eager to kind of see how, as it relates to the Big Ten, how you kind of make this conference work as a baseball conference because, you know, you've got Oregon has dumped a ton of money into baseball. Washington is is good at baseball. Um, USC finally, after 20 years, seems like they're turning a little bit of a corner, um, which that's probably one of the more underreported stories I feel like is what the heck happened to USC the last two decades. And and UCLA, you know, obviously, always there too. Um, And and you're, by the way, you're entering a conference where everybody plays under different rules because of instant replay. Um, And and, you know, you're you're getting basically an iPhone broadcast of a conference game. Um, It's a very, you know, different way of life. And and I'm curious to see how that all kind of comes together. But recruiting wise, I don't think a ton changes for Nebraska. um, You know, with with the way they're going to approach things.
2: I'm curious, you know, you mentioned kind of some of the factors with the Big Ten. Does does bringing in those teams make the Big Ten up their game, or is it still going to be like, hey, if you want to care about baseball, you're kind of on your own?
1: Uh, that's a conference question. I mean, I you know, I, I think what you've seen the last probably four or five years, and even a little bit further back to when, you know, Nebraska joined the conference, um, you know, big Big Ten schools. Some of them have started to invest in facilities. That's improved. Um, you know, you've seen some really good young coaches roll through uh, the league. Um, you know, the, the problem is, is you just need more of a push from the conference itself on promoting the game. You need it on on the Big Ten network more. Um, and you know, the, the, there's just those factors that. You know, I I think there's a hunger for it by the coaches and some of the administrators, but you just got to get everybody on the same page and and having it matter. Um, You know, I know right before Kevin Warren left, he had actually attended a few of the coaches' meetings, um, you know, when they got together. I think it was in Chicago, but, I mean, that that was a significant thing because it just had always felt like it was, you know, the coaches driving the the bus and and the conference kind of did whatever, so... If, if the Big Ten itself is willing to, you know, go a little bit more all in on it, I think it can be, but, um, you know, that, that's been what's holding the conference back a lot is, you know, you've had, you haven't had the buy-in from the conference and there's been a few schools that have been very vocal about, you know, even the, the paying a third assistant coach. There were schools in the conference that didn't want to do it that have, you know, you're know, you talking some of the biggest um, athletic departments in the conference that didn't want to fund a third coach like it's just crazy
0: you know Brunzi I'm, I'm actually happy you brought up the name Kevin Moore and now I feel like I'm just bouncing around all over the place because you say something and it just it just sparks a new thought in my head but if, do you remember when everybody used to give Kevin Warren so much heat for how he handled things as the commissioner of the conference? And now I'm starting to look at what the Pac-12 did and has been doing and, uh, well, let's just say lack thereof of all that stuff. Who do you think did a better job at the end of the day in, like, a, a fan's mind? Like, if a Big Ten fan was deciding, would it be Kevin Warren or would it be the Pac-12? <laughs> Well, I mean, what one conference is existing and the other one's not. So <laughs> Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. I still don't uh... know if, if the Big Ten fans can easily forgive Kevin Warren here, and I think some would be so hard-nosed and so hard-pressed to say that, oh, I'm giving it to the Pac-12 just because I don't like Kevin Warren.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think there's part of that. I mean, I think, you know, that bringing in UCLA and USC makes sense, um, and, and that happened under his watch. It, you can probably debate how much. Um, how big of a factor he was in that or if that was the presidents and and, uh, chancellors and things like that. But yeah, I mean, you could probably write a number of of business management books um, that that would probably not get read about how bad the Pac-12's been um, in in terms of, you know, the way they ran things, some of the decisions they made, um, you know, just the absolute blunders of the, the way that they handled the Pac-12 network, um, you know, that that being probably towards the top. But, um, you know, I, I think, I think too, you also have to go further back. I mean, I, I think Jim Delaney just put the Big Ten in a good spot. And, you know, Kevin Warren was in a, a place where you could kind of keep that going. Uh, I'm eager to see, you know, what they do if they expand more or, um, you know now they have a different chan or a different uh, commissioner but I, I, I think you have to probably lean towards the, the conference that continues to exist on that question That's I would hope me. but <laughs> you never know <laughs> you never know
2: uh, Michael Bruns as we get you ready to go here got about a minute left um, is there anything? That you're hoping to learn from fall camp. We'll come back to Nebraska here over the next few weeks before the Minnesota game. That you think you might actually get to learn before the kickoff of the first game.
1: Uh, you, maybe some black shirts, right? You, 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 we need to know how Matt Rule is going to do the black shirts. Ooh, I think I haven't right. heard, heard a lot about those. Question. Um, but no, I mean, I think they're going to be pretty tight to the vest with a lot of the personnel stuff. Um, you know, I, I maybe next week we get a little bit better picture of what the offensive line actually looks like. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think the closer they get to that game, I, I think it's going to be a little bit more buttoned up and probably take the element of surprise up to Minnesota as much as they can. But um, yeah, I, I, and you know, if there's a wide receiver or two that emerges that that we didn't kind of have on the on the ledger, that would also be good to know as well because I think you're going to have to have somebody pop up there.
0: Bruntsy, we appreciate your time, man. Thanks so much. We'll talk again next week. All right. Thanks, guys. Have fun. That's Michael Brunts. Thanks, man. Senior writer for Husker 24-7 at Michael Brunts on Twitter. Okay. Let's continue uh, with what we talked about right about the 8.20-ish mark. If you were listening... Conference realignment, athlete diaries, things I kind of wanted to get into more on how players are reacting to this change, the situational uh, changes that are now being presented. We'll do that next. When we come back, we also have the sports six pack to close this to close the show. Stay tuned.